Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. I am very happy to be with you, and I'm so happy that Karen J. Gardner is back with me this week. Are you there, Karen? I'm here. Karen Thank J. You very much. Yes, so glad that we could arrange to have you back. We've got our tech issues resolved. We will not be interrupted. You know, it's sometimes when there's something very, very powerful to be communicated something very, very powerful to be heard, to be seen or known or received. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of interference. Yeah. yeah and I'm, that, yeah. yes, that's what I was thinking, that something like that was going on energetically. And so we're, we, we're not uh, deterred. We are determined to see. We are determined to see. So I'm going to start us off with a blessing and a prayer like I always do. So grateful and thankful to take this breath together. So grateful and thankful that our life is a life of love. So grateful and so thankful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self and to recognize that our true identity is already free. Our true identity is perfect love. Our true identity is wholeness and wisdom and clarity and freedom and the all good of God. We are truly grateful and truly thankful to open ourselves to expansion, clarity, and healing. That our conversation is a divine dialogue in a field of perfect love intelligence. And so what I know for each and every one of us is that we are receiving everything that is ours to receive from this communication with Karen J. So grateful and thankful to welcome it and share the benefits with everyone. We are grateful to let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. All right. So for those of you who perhaps did not listen to last week's episode or uh, maybe it was a little while ago. I'm just going to do a recap for us here of uh, of what uh, Karen Jay shared last week. So, uh, and then uh, I'll invite Karen Jay to to supplement and we'll, we'll go forward. So Karen Jay Gardner is a uh, Course in Miracles teacher. She lives in the UK And yes, she does one-on-one counseling and sharing. So uh, you can find her on Facebook, K-I-R-O-N-J Gardner. And uh, and we'll have transcripts. We have transcripts of all our episodes, which are posted at livingacourseofmiracles.com forward slash radio. So we'll put her Facebook page uh, link in the... uh, transcript. So that's just another resource that people have. And, and um, we do the transcripts in part because uh, there are many people in the deaf community who are interested in A Course in Miracles, cannot listen to all these bazillion of audios that people have out there. And uh, that's also why we, we have closed captioning in all the videos. And we're putting the radio shows up at YouTube so people can see the closed captioning there. Uh, And people are hard of hearing and they have English as a second language or a third or a fourth language. So So I was so impressed when I heard Karen J. Gardner share her story at the UK Course in Miracles conference this year. And uh, I was blown away. Uh, Corinne Zepko, uh, Lisa Natoli, we were just blown away. Our mouths were hanging open as we were listening to you, uh, Karen Jay. And your story of you woke up one day, you found it difficult to stand. That was the day that your whole life changed. And that you then became 
progressively ill, basically, you found yourself, you were only able to really lay on the floor. Uh, you uh, lost so many abilities and, and over the course of time. And so you, you be, really became an invalid and uh, physically, of course, mentally. Did you, did you have any mental dim, diminishment beside, besides the ego screaming hysterically all the time? <laughs> no, no, I was quite lucid and quite normal in quotes. Yes, no, no mental health issue. And um, did you have much physical pain? No, it wasn't pain. There were aches sometimes, but it, it was not uh, anything extreme. It was the mm -hmm. incapacity. Yeah. That, that was the issue. Yeah. So uh, how, how long were you experiencing this condition before you lost your sight? Uh, a year. For a year, I, ha I had been lying down, and uh, the only activity was about 20 paces to the back garden where a friend would put a camp bed out for me most days, and I could lie there for a couple of hours, and then 20 paces back, and... Other than that, I was on a mattress on the living room floor and I had a pot beside me that I could roll on onto. And this friend was a tremendous, tremendous support to me, emotional support. Yeah. After a year, uh, she'd had enough, I think. She'd done her bit. And that was such a traumatic thing, losing her emotional support. Oh, I bet. Mm. Yes, it was very bleak and all I had were social services carers coming in four times a day to do the practicals. And some of right. them were very lovely, but they were on a tight schedule. So they came in, did what they had to do and went again. Right. And within a couple of weeks of that new regime, I lost the ability to see and the ability to speak. It was... Uh, a rapid deterioration. Um, I simply couldn't open. Eyes and I was uh, like, I just couldn't speak. And that was, uh, it was so terrifying. I almost couldn't respond to it. It was so out of anything that I would have thought I'd been experiencing. I was in shock, probably. And in a funny way, it brought me to the, the present. It was so awful. The only place I could possibly survive was, was being with it in the, in the here and now and simply taking one moment by one moment. If I, if I went out of that, it was all too ghastly. I did. It, it, I, I wasn't. Perfect. Were you what? Sorry, go on. Well, I was just wondering: Were you watching television, listening to the radio? Were you doing those kinds of things to occupy your mind, distract you? Before I lost my sight, um, I did a bit. I'm not really a TV person, but I did simply to pass the time. Um, and then when I could no longer see, sometimes carers would put on CDs for me with music. Sometimes they turn the television on, but it couldn't be, their last call was about 7.30 in the evening, something like that. I was left by about 7.30 in the evening. So the TV had to go off then because um, otherwise it would have been on all night um, and if they put it on at the lunchtime call it would stay on till the tea time call right because I couldn't do anything um, right my my way of communicating was clicking I could do a yes and a for no so they would ask me do you want the tv on and I would click <laughs> as to whether I did or I didn't and sometimes uh, 
yeah, most often I would prefer the silence. I, I did listen to things sometimes, but it wasn't 24 hours a day by any means, because the whole impetus of this, the whole thrust of this was supporting me to connect with the divine in a connection. And I was well up to speed with that. I kind of understood this is what it was about. So you had that to cling to. Yes, very much. I want to ask you about that. But before I do, I'd like to ask you, did you feel like you were being punished? No. No, it was a great mercy, but I never felt I was being punished. I was mystified as to why it was happening. And I remember thinking, I can't, I can't do this. I just can't do this. How can I be possibly be expected to do this? And I'd have a rant to God. Um, just sharing my feelings. I mean, this was before the course, so it was a different understanding of God, but I did have a, a strong connection with the divine before this episode. Um, and I would never have got through it otherwise. So in my mind, I would talk to God and say, this is impossible. How can I possibly do this? Again and again, day in, day out. You can't be serious. <laughs> And, and it just kept going. But it was not a feeling of being punished because um, right at the beginning, I joined with the holy purpose of it. On the first day that I could no longer stand up and I intuitively knew something uh, big was going on from the human perspective. I had no idea it would be six years of lying down, but I had a sense that this was not going to be over in a day or so. And so I said to God, this has to be perfect because it's happening. It does not feel perfect. You show me how it's perfect. And from the core of my being, I laid down a gauntlet. It was a very deep intention to know the perfection of this. And as time went on and uh, my body deteriorated more and more, I could still be with that declaration. You show me it's perfect. I've lost my sight now. I've lost my ability to speak. It's really getting desperate here and show me it's perfect. Show me how it's perfect. I kept on doggedly <laughs> going at it. <laughs> and then uh, after three and a half years, um, I lost the ability to use the pot for the side of my bed. I was taken to hospital for some tests at some stage and put on a high hospital bed when I couldn't roll onto a pot. And a week or so of not doing it meant I just lost that ability. And again, yeah. it was very disturbing going to hospital and being prodded and poked and not yeah. being able to walk. And uh, anyway, yes, that was horrible. So I came home and uh, could no longer leave that mattress. So for two and a half years, I was in diapers and uh, unable to do any self-care. So I was totally reliant on the carers who came in four times a day to change my diaper. And again, that is something so far removed from what we would imagine is going to happen to us in adulthood that something was able to be with it. I had no frame of reference for not speaking, not right. speaking, and in diapers and hardly able to move. I had no reference point for that. I'd lost yeah. all ideas of going to work and seeing friends and um, talking to my son and watching TV and you know all the things that, that we tend to uh, take for granted when we are physically healthy. That had just gone. 
and I had grieved and grieved and grieved about it and been furious about it. Rage came up that I seemed incapable of, of doing anything about this. So once the, the diapers kicked in, it was, well, I'm just with what's going on. <laughs> and, um, and it was the, the inner connection, of course, that stopped me going under. Nothing else would have seen me through that. Well, I had no distractions. <laughs> yeah. That was it. So last week we, we talked some about, uh, I, I have so much I, I wish to cover, so I don't want to give a lot of commentary or what I think or feel about it. I'm just so grateful that I have this time with you. So we talked some about feeling suicidal because I, I work with many people who have uh, extremely debilitating illnesses of different kinds mm -hmm. and progressive illnesses and things like that. And uh, it's, uh, so it's intensely physically challenged, but, but it's also mentally challenged and, and it's also uh, emotionally challenges, challenging. And I always know that the, those folks who are going through that kind of intensity, they have a determination to get back to clarity of their divinity, unlike anybody else. That's my feeling about it. Yeah. That on the surface, uh, they sometimes feel like they're totally failing. Like what kind of a spiritual student would be in this kind of a situation? Like this is total mental, spiritual, emotional failure. You know, you're yelling at God, you're screaming at God, uh, just so, so angry that this is happening. You're helpless. You're, uh, many people are in tremendous physical pain and limitation. And, and, and many spiritual students have strong belief that they brought it on themselves that this is some kind of punishment, which that is not the truth of God. I know that for sure. It, it's, it seems like it, but it's just not true. That's only, you know, less than 190 pain. It says, tells us pain is a wrong perspective. And so when we're in that kind of mental, emotional anguish, I know it's a wrong perspective. So um, if you could talk with us about, feeling suicidal from the perspective of really, um, I mean, I think most of us know what it's like to feel like I hate this world. Mm. I hate this life. Mm. Uh, maybe I hate myself. Um, I hate others. I hate this whole freaking thing. It's just a horrible, horrible, how did I get here? Why can't I get out? These are not my people. This is not my tribe. All myriad of thoughts like that. Everybody has those. Um, and some people really do wish to die. They don't wish to go on anymore. They don't wish to live anymore. And uh, very often, uh, every time when I encounter people who are in that kind of a mode, they see no way out. That's why they're suicidal. There's no hope, none, zero, nada. And that's what causes people to take their own life. So you, you rolled around literally on the floor with that. And how, what were the insights that you had about your, the, your own inner workings of your mental, emotional state as regards just wanting to leave the planet? Oh, I'm so moved as you talk about the people you work with and the experiences they're having. And what I'm feeling right now is enormous gratitude for how little, really, suicidal thoughts came to me. They did, at times. One of the worst periods was right at the beginning, although I was much stronger than I was later on. Uh, the shock of suddenly not being able to do things that I'd taken for granted was huge. And I did not know how to be in my mind. The, the, pay, the, the, the psychic pain was so intense 
I thought I'm going to explode. I do not know how to make it through the next second. And at that time, what, what helped was calling upon Mother Mary, mm. the, the divine, mm. the divine mother. Mm-hmm. That brought some reduction in the intense, intense, explosive pain in my mind. And the worst time when I uh, was very close to, um, because as it went on, there was nothing I could physically do. (laughs) I could not have committed suicide because I could hardly move. Yeah. Um, And the thoughts weren't really like that. It was much more being with the experience. But there was a time when I was taken into hospital and I would have been sectioned under the Mental Health Act if I hadn't gone in voluntarily, so giving a for yes, because I was so emaciated that I was close to organ failure. So I was at risk of, of um, shuffling off the planet. And so for my own safety, they said, we are going to take you in and we are going to fit you with a tube into your stomach to feed you. You can do this voluntarily or we can section you. If you go voluntarily, it will be a much easier uh, experience for you. So no, no choice really. And of course I had to go. And I was then taken into uh, a, a general hospital ward and I was there for six weeks. And that was hell. <laughs> really, really hell. It was a very disturbed ward, lots of shouting and screaming and people pacing up and down all day and night. Machines beeping and um, staff run off their feet. I was not strong enough to press a call button to to say um, my nappy needed, my diaper needed changing. They couldn't believe I couldn't push the call button. So there was, it was intense suffering in my mind. They didn't this, believe you? No, 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 not at all. But they, they didn't believe I was as weak as I was. They thought I could do more. Yeah. And when my diaper was being changed, sometimes I was really thrown about by nurses. Because, oh. um, they thought I was putting it on. Some were very oh. gentle. But mm. uh, then I did have pain when I was roughly handled. Um, yeah, that, that was very, very difficult. I, what I hear, though, too, is when they asked you, did you wish to go voluntarily? They were really asking you, or would you like us to let you die? Well, no, they would have taken but me. They would have taken you anyway. They would, have, they okay. would either have forced Got me it. in, or they, they okay. said, agreed to to go in. So no, they were very concerned about getting food into my stomach. So there there, there definitely was care there. Um, I, uh, we're getting ready to come to the break. And uh, just before we go, so you were in the the hospital then for a couple weeks that way to get your physical, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and, uh, break, I can tell you, 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 you were asking about suicide. Well, there was an episode that I'd like to tell you about. Ah, okay, great. Maybe after the break would be um, a, a good time for that. Yes, definitely. Um, and just as we are preparing to go to the break here, I wanted to share, take a, a minute here to share something with you uh, in addition to just reminding you that you can reach out to Karen J. Gardner on Facebook and uh, she does do one-on-one counseling and she's of course Miracles teacher and speaker so you could also invite her to come and speak or teach to your group and I really would encourage that she obviously 
has well it's it's yet to come you're going to hear the the even greater insights uh and learning uh that she's got to share with us i also um i can get so wrapped up i don't make announcements and things like that so i would like to share with folks that i have some events coming up some in-person events uh, in September, I have a retreat for those who are recovering from sexual abuse, uh, and that is a very small retreat. We have a few places left if you're interested. And then in October, I'm doing my spiritual counseling training intensive and my uh, teacher training intensive. Both of those are professional programs uh, that anyone can participate in, and they are beautiful, powerful, healing, transformative programs. And I do them back to back so that people coming from a long distance can uh, do them both as many times people like to do. So you can read more about all of those at uh, jenniferhadley.com on the events page. I am Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles where we're on Unity Online Radio. We're living the love. We're walking the talk. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. My guest is Karen J. Gardner, and we are talking about her uh, epic, amazing experience and life journey. And we were talking about the, uh, just, we're just going to talk about her experience of feeling suicidal. And uh, so we, I left off uh, where you had something more you wish to share about that. Yes, well, you were asking about uh, this aspect of it. And I was talking about being in hospital and it being such a, a difficult time. And I woke up one morning and I thought, I cannot lie here another day. I cannot do it. And I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand up on my bed, bearing in mind I could hardly move and I am going to hurl myself off the bed and I'm going to land on my head and I'm going to damage myself so much that I will be taken away from all of this and I was so convinced this is what I needed to do I even managed to kneel up some strength came from somewhere and I was kneeling on one knee and one knee raised. Um, and I thought, this is it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I cannot stay here. And then something happened. Uh, a very disturbed lady in a bed opposite just looked over to me. And she just looked me in the eye. And there was a peace. And I thought, no, I can't do that. No, I'm not going to hurt myself. And I collapsed back onto the bed. And I lay there, just surrendering, surrendering to not knowing how I could lie there another second in this dreadful, dreadful situation. But this was the ego being dramatically loosened in my mind. I surrendered to what seemed utterly, utterly utterly impossibly awful and yet there I was just lying there and that was a turning point that for sure was a turning point and I feel so absolutely grateful to that beautiful being who was having her own journey for sure who looked at me just at that moment that's how God works yeah absolutely yeah through our brothers and sisters. Yeah. yeah. She was your salvation. She was. Yeah. 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 And then the other thing I'd like to talk to you about, which was um, so instrumental in me coming through this, was 
a story of forgiveness. Of course, what else can it be? Of course. <laughs> and I had uh, hated my father all my life. It was a sexual abuse story. And I'd done much work on it in a therapeutic setting as if it was real. And that had helped, but the hatred was still there. And a friend found a three-day secular mind training that she thought would be very, very helpful for me. And I intuitively knew that it would be uh, very helpful. So in my mind, I asked God, please help me be ready for this mind training. Whatever I've got to do, let go of, see, not physically see, but understand, please help me. And so that month before this training was going to happen, trainer coming to my house, of course, because I couldn't go anywhere, was, was storms beyond storms. The ego storms were huge, intense, chaotic and prolonged. And five days before this training was due to happen, there was a phone call arranged with my father. And I'd had almost no contact with my family all through this episode but somehow it happened. So the phone was put under my ear and he talked about ordinary things and I clicked as my response. Nothing uh, dramatic there at all. Then the phone was taken from under my ear by a carer. And then there was the moment of supreme grace when all the hatred I had felt for him for 50 years just left my mind, just went. And of course, what it revealed in its place was overwhelming love for him. It isn't, or it wasn't forgiveness as the Course describes it. I still thought he had done something, but I didn't care what he had done. I knew I loved him. And that was a big enough shift in my mind to prepare the way for me to make this very good use of this secular mind training. And the premise of it was that it's your thoughts that are causing what you don't like. And so it's with your thoughts that will work and you can change your thoughts and you will have a different experience. Now, if that isn't perfect preparation for a future of Course in Miracles, future, <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so this lady came and she taught me to, do, to think different thoughts. And within 24 hours, I could see, I could speak, I could eat, and I could sit up a little bit. And by the third day, I could even stand for a tiny bit. So it really was lightning. The lightning process is, is what this training is called. And I know that the forgiveness of my father needed to happen as part of that huge six-year clearing in my mind, um, for which I am now very, very grateful because it trained me to be able to stay centred even when there were enormous storms and pain in my mind. And it taught me presence. It taught me how to connect. And then when I found the course five years later, or well, it found me, of course, as it does, um, I recognized the love that comes through the course. That was the love I was beginning to open up to in that episode and so I could oh, dive into it intensely and just love it and when more ego storms came because of course the course is so incredibly threatening to the ego I was practiced at being able to withstand these storms I was practiced at hanging in there because during those six years, I could do nothing else. 
And then later, of course, I could go for a walk and have a cup of tea and chat to a friend. And sometimes I did. Um, but I knew the benefit. I had seen the power of my mind both to attack itself and to allow healing to come to it. And so I was mighty motivated to study this course. And then it wasn't long before I started running groups because I come from a, a background of um, being a therapist and group facilitation and healing. And I was doing all that in the self-development world before this lying down phase. And so it was very natural to take all those experiences and, and gifts and put them in service of the course. So beautiful, so powerful. And, and I'd like to ask you, Kieran Jay, in that moment of epiphany or when you felt that all the hatred for your father left you, can you describe that more so people have some idea of how you knew that was what was happening and that just how did you know that's what happened? Well, it was so entirely different to how I had ever, ever felt towards my father. Mm -hmm. Because the abuse I've had... Um, body memories. The abuse started when I was a baby. So right from the word go as Kiranjay in this uh, physical experience, mm -hmm. there was this uh, abuse uh, happening. It didn't go on throughout my childhood. It stopped, I think, when I was three. Um, I was the eldest of five. So the, 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 the household got, got quite busy. Um, but it had been with me, it was a constant. All through my childhood, I had two recurring dreams. And one of them was, I'm just canceling things on my uh, computer, sorry that I've just come in, I beg your pardon. <laughs> uh, two recurring dreams, all through my childhood. One was killing my father, violently stabbing him or punching him to death, really viciously attacking him. And the other one was being locked up in prison with him with no hope of ever escaping, key thrown away. And again and again and again, throughout my childhood, I, I would dream these two dreams. So it's obviously the mind was deeply disturbed about this. And I knew consciously as a child it's not right to hate your father. I didn't know about the abuse consciously until my mid-30s. So all, my, all through my childhood, I knew I hated my father and didn't know why. And that was very troubling. And again, I wanted the answer. I wasn't talking to God at that time, although I was brought up a Catholic, but um, that was much more just being, uh, being put through the motions of that. But inside, I, I, I wanted to know the answer. What's going on? Not everybody hates their father. Mm -hmm. So when this, this moment of grace happened, there was a totally new experience. I had lived with this burden and it's as many people say, when, when you've lived with something for a very long time, you no, no longer realise that's not normal um, to be burdened in that way because you get used to it. You, you, it's, it's habitual. And so hating my father was just how life was. And then suddenly I didn't. <laughs> suddenly somebody switched on the light. It was just like that. And although the experience was of a sudden shift, suddenly I hated him one minute and two seconds later I didn't, but it was the culmination of a lifetime's 
desire to sort this out, really. And I think it was all needed. All the hating when I was a child, all the trying to sort it out through therapy and um, yeah, self-help methods, remembering the abuse, coming to terms with that, trying to speak about it to him, it being denied, the family thinking I'm mad and bad, all these things that people go through, um, all that happened. And then this six years of lying down. And it wasn't all about my father. I had lots of difficult experiences coming to the surface. It was the, 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 the dark cornerstones of the ego thought system that were being exposed. So sometimes it was um, quite abstract, black seas of pain that, that were trying to sweep me away as it felt. And sometimes it was past lives or past dreams, however you'd like to, to say that, of very violent deaths, very violent experiences. So it was a whole gamut of things being cleared from my mind. And my father was a central part of that, but not the only part. But it was an essential healing. I think, so that when I started to recover, and I was still frail for quite some time, but uh, getting, getting stronger by the day, all mind training, it was all using my thoughts that was bringing this extra strength. Um, so making peace with my father cleared the way for me to focus on... Um, being able to walk four miles a day. I can't tell you how many times I said, I can walk four miles a day. <laughs> and then I could, you know, after, after some months, I, I could do that. And it wasn't really positive affirmation. It, it could be seen like that, but it was deeply connected with spirit. And it was spirit saying, use your mind like this. Start thinking different thoughts start telling yourself that you can um, walk four miles, but I'd hardly been able to move a little finger. So this was a, quite a leap in, um, in thinking. But it was spirit-inspired. It wasn't from the person. It was spirit-inspired, saying, now's the time to focus on moving. And my son had uh, a year in the States. Um, he came to Boston to study and he left the day before this three-day training. So he didn't see me go through this training and start to improve. And he came home at Christmas and couldn't believe that I looked normal again, although I was still quite fragile. And I was so determined to come and see him. He was at Harvard. He won a, a, a master's scholarship at Harvard. I was so determined, having missed his previous graduations, I wanted to come and see him. And this was mighty, mighty motivation to think these new thoughts. And by March, so a couple of months after Christmas, when there didn't seem to be any hope in, in the physical of me getting on a plane and going to Boston, I did. I had to be wheelchaired through the airport and put on the plane and head mm. off again. But I did because my heart was in it. And I went back again in June and saw his graduation. So Fantastic. Beautiful, beautiful gift um, at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so i uh it's i have so many questions for you and uh one of them is well first i'd just like to point out to everybody so uh, you told us that you were a therapist and did you have a private practice at the the time when this occurred okay 
Yes, yeah, I, I had been winding down. I wasn't able to work that much because my health was deteriorating. So I was still up and around and doing things, but my ability to support other people was uh, lessening because I was feeling more um, challenged in myself. But yes, I was working as a healer. I was working one-to-one -one with people. I was running groups and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But obviously the healing was needed for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and my point is that you were, um, you had done a lot of inner work, yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, because anybody who's a therapist has done a tremendous amount, hopefully <laughs> they've done a tremendous amount yeah. of inner work. And um, uh, faced a lot of demons and done uh, a lot of letting go of uh, unforgiveness and resentments and regrets and guilt and blame and shame. And so still, there was this big... Uh, and what I, I, I can tell you for myself, Karen Jay, one of the things I started to do that was extremely helpful to me is to say, okay, this... I don't like it's very challenging to me i but i'm going to let god use it for good yes yes and i so i declare that that is what is happening that is what is occurring i'm on board with that yes. so instead of railing against it anymore instead of you know being angry and blah blah, blah all that mm. no God is going to use this for good and I'm going to allow it to happen. That, that really was helpful to me. Yes. And um, another, so to one of my questions uh, at the break, just when we were going to the break, you were, you were telling us that you, you connected with mother Mary. Mm. And I, I, for me in my time, right before I came to the course, this is really what happened for me is I started to have all these uh, experiences of connecting with beings like mother Mary and the company of heaven and the angels. Mm -hmm. And not that I was seeing them, you know, in regal colors or anything. I'm not that visually um, intuitive and then not that I heard them saying words, but I just started to discern what were the impress of their guidance and love? And so I wonder if you could tell us a, a little bit about that. We don't have much time, but if you could tell us a little bit about your experience like that. With Mother Mary or with? Yeah, generally. Yeah. With, yeah. With presence and specifically. Yeah. Well, I, yes, I'd like to bring you up to date with, with how it is now. Um, and this, because of this episode, because of loving the course, because of studying it intensely, I have come to a place where presence is my reality. Presence is my 24-7 experience. And this shifts everything. This shifts every, every, everything. Yes. Because it's real. It's not something the Course writes about, although it does. It's something I know. I absolutely know. Yes. My choice. It's beautiful. My relationship with Jesus is the most beautiful thing I have ever, ever experienced. And it is particular with Jesus, with me. It doesn't have to be, of course. Uh, when you're studying the course. But with me, it's the presence of Jesus. I know him. And I am asking him, help me help you. Help me help you with your beloved teaching. This is my up and down and left and right and everything in my life now is to be with Jesus to be in this presence and everything else has to jump around that. So I've lost so much interest in physicality because it's not beautiful compared to the presence of Jesus, which is the presence of all of us, of course. 
and it's getting easier to feel the presence in a brother. It's most clear with Jesus because he has no ego. So it's, a, it's the easiest route for me and for us. But I would say to anybody listening, whatever you're going through, exactly as Jennifer says, it can be put to holy purpose and you have all power to dedicate it to holy purpose. And then you will be shown its holy purpose because there is one. Whatever you're going through, there is holy purpose and you can come through it. And I can so recommend the presence of Jesus to accompany you. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And we have to surrender first. Yes. We have to surrender first before we know what anything is for. Yes. We, we have to be completely willing to give up every meaning we've ever made of anything yeah. to ever be able to see what things are really uh, intended for. Yes. And so it requires that, that real surrender. Yes. And uh, that, that's the whole trick right there. That's the whole thing. Last quick, quick answer question. What you have now in your life, in your awareness, in your beingness, is it worth what you went through? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I certainly didn't go through what you went through. I went through what I went through. And um, for me, I, I just, if I had to go through it all over again, to, in order to have the benefit I have, I would do it, yeah. you know, and, and there were times when I just wanted to die, really, really wanted to die. Mm -hmm. So we, we trust this is an inspiration to people. And it's super clear to me, I have to have you back. We aren't done. There has to be a part three. It won't <laughs> be next week. We'll take yeah. a break for a couple of weeks yeah. and we'll come back. And um, in the meantime, I would like to uh, just, uh, again, say you can find Kieran J. Gardner at Facebook. And go be a Facebook friend to Kieran J. Gardner. And yes. tell, tell her what you thought of the radio show. You know, I have a Course Miracles radio show page on Facebook. You can write your comments there for me. Please, please do. And... A quick prayer, so grateful and so thankful for the love of God that shines in us all. So grateful and thankful that we're already free in gratitude. We share the benefits, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. I love you. Thank you, Kieran J. Mwah. <laughs>